Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. This is Andrea Schwartz, joined by Nancy Wilk for Homeschool Helps. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's rainy here. I think it's snowing where you are. At least it has snowed, correct? Yes, it has snowed. And I'm excited about today's conversation because this morning when I get up, it had snowed. There's icicles all over and the sun is shining and all the, you know, all the ice just looks like diamonds all over, you know, the sparkling stuff. And I thought, what a perfect day to talk about creation. It's so right. easy to look out my window today and say and see you cannot deny the creator has created this beautiful world that we live in. And so. And yet there are many, there are whole institutions that deny our creator and deny creation. And since we are going through curriculum foundations in this series, and last week we talked about our concept of God, who is God, because we got to start there. The next major thing we have to focus on is the way God defines himself. See, God is not an esoteric remote God. He is a God who reveals himself in his creation and then gave us his word to fill in that which observing creation won't give us. So he mm -hmm. says in the beginning, that's how the Bible starts in the beginning, God. Okay. That's where we started last week. Created. Okay. So the word created is a verb and that verb implies the noun creator. So anything we teach has to be built on that foundation. You know, we've talked about you build a house or you build a building. A lot of time is spent on the foundation. No matter how pretty the building looks, if it's not on a firm foundation, once you get a, uh, what should you say, an earthquake or heavy winds, then you see how lack of strength is in that unfirm foundation, or if it is a firm foundation that it withstands the storm. Right. Now, since we're talking about God as creator, that's one of the names he gives us for him. The mm -hmm. early days of the church start with, I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. Right. All right. So that's, that's the first thing we have to affirm in terms of what makes us biblical Christians? Mm -hmm. Right. He's also made the heavens and the earth. He's also made everything that we see and we don't see. And you were mentioning about foundations. Um, we often hear that Christ is the cornerstone and that the word of God, we talk about God in um, foundational terms and building in foundational terms. A lot of times we'll spend more time checking out under the hood of a used car and kicking those tires than we do the foundations of our own faith and in the world as it really is. 
And so I, I appreciate the work of Calcedon and the opportunity to look at these uh, curriculums because if we don't examine them and we don't know for sure that we're building on a firm foundation. We might be building on sand and then be surprised when the house falls. Exactly. And keep in mind that of the Ten Commandments, and we talked about those in our last series, and anybody who hasn't seen them, they should go look on the Calcedon site. But the third commandment says something very, very sobering. It says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for God won't hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So God cares about his name. He cares that those who bear his name bear it righteously and truthfully. And he says, if you don't, you're not going to be held guiltless. Now, the Bible talks about you don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. Right. So <laughs> that's not a place anybody should be. So God's name includes him as creator. And if creation is not infused, if the curriculum, which is basically your course of study in terms of educating anyone, if it's not infused with an, uh, a foundation of creation and it's being observed, God is being observed, the Trinity is being observed in all of these aspects of life that we call subjects that we study, then you're taking God's name in vain. And it's a very serious matter. Well, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to think about this in terms of science. Okay. Well, and even as a parent, like I, I remember when my kids were little and they were asking 87 times in an hour, why, 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 why? And it's easy to say because God made it that way. But then, you know, when you start doing, you know, thinking about curriculum and buying curriculum or choosing your subject matter, it's easy to say, um, to see, for example, in science, we don't want to teach our children that evolution is a fact or the Big Bang theory is a fact. It's easy to put God in there, you know, um, as creator. But it it's a little bit harder for some other subjects. So, so talk to me. Well, about I'm going to stop you there for a second because it seems like, okay, we've handled it. We've said no evolution. Okay, okay. see, we put, we put God in science. Okay, so let's look at science, okay? We're looking at biology, we, we, the study of living things. If you don't see creation and the manifestation of God in the creation of an eye, in the, in the idea of how you have fingers and you have this opposing thumb, in other words, you must consult he who designed it if you're going to understand it. Anytime I get a new gadget or appliance, not everybody does this, but I do. I read the directions because I'm not going to intuitively figure out how to use this or that, right? Now, the directions are not always clear, but the Bible is clear. Yeah, there's some fine points of scripture that we might debate about or need some help in doing it. But as I just said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty straightforward. He didn't right. say, it doesn't say, Moses didn't recount in the beginning. God started this process and the process was a big bang. And as a result, and yet you have Christians. And I would say that the majority of people who homeschool, at least at times, have had to tolerate 
pulpits that kind of gave sway to evolution. Well, it's not enough to say God is creator and then accept everything else in science. And so when you talk about getting a curriculum, I think we need to change the emphasis. A curriculum is the course of study that the educator plans. Sometimes books are what you use, sometimes videos, sometimes field trips, sometimes um, consulting with people who are in the profession. That's all the curriculum. So too many parents think, I just got to get the right curriculum, plant my child down, have him read it, and we're good to go. When they right. don't even examine, what was my education like? Have I bought into an evolutionary perspective and I just give lip service to creation? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, curriculum, that, that's an important thing to do to um, make the distinction. When you talk about curriculum, you're talking about the entire course of study and not necessarily just um, a, a packaged something, you know, that says this, this is your this is your course and sequence for science right. or whatever subject it is. Now, I wish I could say to anybody who's beginning homeschooling or continuing, there is such fabulous amount of material out there for you to tap into that really gives an orthodox view of scripture. There's a lot of good curriculum and you can find it. However, if as the parent educator, you are not the primary source of information and you're just relying on publishers, what if the publisher has put into an aspect of the curriculum something that's not thoroughly biblical? How are you going to ascertain it? So one of the things that I like to do with when you're talking young people, think of the things we say that deny God. It's raining. Okay, let's think of our what? grammar here. Who's the it? What's the it? Why don't we why don't we say God has it raining here today? Uh-huh. Thank you, God, for the rain. Whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, or people say, Oh, Mother Nature's mad at us. Is there a mother nature? And how many times if you hear the weather broadcasters saying it, you should be able to point out to your students, okay, do you see what he's doing there? He's assigning another God other than the God of creation. And really he doesn't think there's a mother nature, but mother nature is certainly a way to deny father God. <laughs> you see? Because yeah. mm -hmm. God or, didn't create and then leave it to run by itself. He's intimately involved. And we see in scripture where Jesus, Jesus specifically uh, controlled the weather. And God specifically says, you know, sends rain and withholds rain and sends right. um, floods and snows and winds and all that stuff. So it's right. not like he just wound up a clock and let it run out. Right. And so it's in our it's in the way we talk and we need to be aware of it. Another one. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, if well, you're a <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are creation minded and biblically minded, you'll 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 hearken back to creation and God made the animal. So you'll say the chicken came first. Exactly. But we have these things like we can't know. And these are endless debates. And so I think it's a great exercise for homeschooling families, current ones, to examine what they say and realize, 
Are we inadvertently taking God's name in vain by not attributing to him or, or if there's a natural disaster? Okay. You know, we call it a natural disaster. Well, we mean it has to do with nature. So we have a flood or we have a volcano and somebody says, yeah, well, I don't know why God is doing that. And the answer to a lot of people is God could never do that. God doesn't do that. Well, I have news for you folks. If God doesn't do it, who does? Yeah. And, and, and if he is sitting on the sidelines going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, this can't happen, then there must be someone bigger, stronger, more powerful than God. Right. Um, and so that kind of brings us, I, I think, to some of our here comes a train. So I'm going to ask my question. Oh, no. That's right. There, it's fast. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh, yeah, we can hear it. Yeah. Um, okay, so when we think about what we say, then don't we look, begin to talk, then to have to look at creation in language and language arts and how we speak and the books that we read and, and those kind of things. So I'm uh, beginning to see how creation would apply in language, language arts, literature, those kind of subjects. Right. Because we have to presuppose the God of the Bible as he has revealed himself. So let's take a hot button issue. All right. Pronouns. Whoever would have thought growing up, you and I come from a different era, that pronouns would be a source of contention. But now they are. Because you see, a female, biologically, we would always designate as she. And then we would use nouns that clearly identified the she as a mother, wife, sister, aunt, daughter. These are all feminine nouns. Right. And the same goes through with masculine father, son, you know, brother, uh, uncle, grandfather, things like that. But now what's being challenged is that in the beginning, the creator didn't really create the male and female. I mean, maybe that's their body, but then again, they throw out the creator anyway. And so they just have this, you know, this evolutionary thing and, and some things, you know, go along with this and some things go along with that. That's why we cannot take God's name in vain. We cannot say that, oh, okay. So there's not just two sexes. There's more than that because the Bible clearly says there's not. And so yeah. if we're not going to embrace it the way God says, then we're not carrying his name. We're not taking his name properly. Right. And to go down that road says that we're not recognizing that God has created us the way that he did. And, and the scripture also says that we know that we're without excuse when we look at his creation, that all of creation declares his glory. And so when we look and we see this and we deny this, we're denying him no matter how sincere or well-intentioned we think we are. We are suppressing right. the truth of, of God and um, his creation. We're suppressing that truth and unrighteousness. Exactly. And so lest any Christian who has their child or their children in a state school, they're giving their children a religious education. It's just not Christianity. And they may say, well, no, we're Christians. Well, if you're Christians, why are you settling for untruth being told to your children? 
that they, you know, so yeah, we know that we don't, you know, you go home and you say, mom, they talked about evolution today. And so the, the, the Christian mom says, well, yeah, but we don't believe that. Well, the kids should yeah. say, well, then why do you have me there if they're telling me things that aren't true? Mm-hmm. Right. Because we are subjecting and, and, you know, not only just subject, subjecting our children, the Bible says that it's better for us to have a millstone hung around our neck and be drowned than to teach these little ones to sin. And so that is, that's a scary thing, you know, that if we're presenting to our children things that God says is not true and we're teaching them to live and speak and think contrary to that, that's dangerous, dangerous. And we're seeing the effects of this godless education. Apparently, the new trend for young teen girls is to deny that they're female and seek to become male. Well, how on earth can that happen? How can the 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 obvious things about who they are be so denied? Because status godless education recognizes that the earlier you get them, the more you can influence them. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit. You said that the um, public school, um, you said something about the religion in the public school. And there's a lot of a lot of folks that would say, well, it's it's math, it's science. It's and so these conversations about how we see religion and creation and all these things. What is the religion of the public school? Tell us that again. And why do you say that? The religion of the public school basically can be summed up as you can be as gods and determine for yourself right and wrong. It's exactly what Satan said to Eve and then Adam bought into it as well, that you don't have to go by God's rules. You don't have to go by God's definitions. You can make them up. And when you make them up, you're going to be better for it. Well, it didn't take too long for Adam and Eve to realize they had been deceived and that the tempter, Satan, had nothing good in mind for them. He was targeting them because his real, <clears throat> excuse me, his real target was God. God is who he was in rebellion to. So the religion of our status schools is humanism, which basically says man is the determiner of right and wrong. And so the people who control the purse strings are the antithesis of Christian, thus, Christianity is not welcome in the religious schools of the United States known as the public or state schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's okay. why a teacher can't even have a Bible on his or her desk. This is contraband. This is a competing religion and it won't be tolerated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a, that's a foundational thing that, that people need to go back home and look and see if they're really if they're really building on the solid foundation of God's word and his truth and in the reality of creation, the way he's made it. So let's talk about another subject. How about um, we've done math, language arts. How about, um, uh, oh, no, we didn't do math. Talk to me about math because we did science. What right. about math? How do we well, for, for those who tuned in and saw our interview last year with James Nickel, he did a really good job of showing that apart from God as creator, mathematics doesn't make sense because you see the reason one plus one is two isn't because we discovered it or it evolved. It's because that is how God created. So we have a number sense. Everybody has a number sense because it's innate in people. 
And so if you expect things to work the way they do today, tomorrow, it implies order. And that order has to do with God and how he created. Now, we won't go into providence because next week we're going to talk about providence throughout the curriculum, another aspect of the character and person of God. But in terms of um, how you look at mathematics, which actually gives you a language with which to identify science, if you don't have your foundation in both areas correct, you're going to come up with faulty conclusions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the scripture verse that says that God made a covenant with the son and, and that as long as the earth remains, that there's going to be the, the, the sun will keep on doing it's, it's God assigned God covenanted task of governing our day. And so that's another uh, place that we see um, creation, God, and the consistency of God, you know, the numbers, you're talking about the numbers and the consistency of that. What if we woke up tomorrow and the sun refused to shine? It said like us, <laughs> I don't feel like obeying God today. It would, that can't happen. It won't happen because, because God does and is who he says he is. Exactly. So when you have the subject of climate change, when you have the subject of overpopulation, when you have the subject of disease that's going to wipe out human beings, do you look at the scripture and say, are these predictions consistent with scripture? Or do you become the result of fear mongering and figure, well, these guys must know what they're talking about. I mean, how often have we heard people say, well, I don't know, I better believe what they're saying. I'm not a rocket scientist and they are. Well, mm -hmm. what if their foundation and their presupposition is faulty? Do we really want to take whole cloth what they say? It's not that they can't be right on some things. You know, the old expression, a broken clock is right twice a day. So it's not like, you know, and anything they have right, they have right because God has revealed it to them. Mm -hmm. So it's so fundamental to say how much of our thinking has been co-opted by everybody knows as opposed to thus saith the Lord. Right. Or they say, but who were they? Exactly. Kind of like it's raining. Who is the right. it? What is the it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's raining. Uh, I see. Okay, so how about history? Tell me about history and creation. Well, that's kind of like, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Well, but if we remember that history originally had its origins as his, capital H, story, um, then if you don't view ancient civilizations, pagan civilizations in terms of God's word and how God, because remember at the beginning, after the sixth day, God declared his creation good. And so if we're saying, okay, well, if everything's good, why don't we say everything's good? Well, because there was this other thing that happened called the fall. Uh -huh. And that's where later on we'll talk about redemption throughout the curriculum. So I'm partitioning these all out, not that they really can be partitioned, but because so much of our life has been compartmentalized, it, it's helpful to view these compartments in terms of the biblical presupposition and whether or not we hold it. Right. We got to start putting them back together in, in, in terms of God's word. So when I think about um, history, 
one of the one of the things that I think is true is that a lot of the history, more like the history box curriculums, then you start to look at um, at past in terms of economics or political power or um, you know some other um, means, kings and kingdoms that that rise and fall, and um, and and we don't remember that God has a plan and of redemption for the whole world and that we are just seeing our little, you know, vape, our, our life is a vapor in the midst of it. I, I know you said one time that, um, that our lives um, are like stepping onto a stage and we don't always see right. The, the actors that have come before us and the ones that are going to come after us. And we just sort of tend to focus on our little minute here on stage of the cosmic world. And, um, and we don't get the, the big picture. If we right. put curriculum in, in, I mean, um, if we put creation in its proper place, we can see that in history in ways that a lot of times the box stuff doesn't do. Exactly. One of our viewers, Michael Dunya, says God is the Lord of all things. There's no such thing as neutral education. And we can even say, well, we try to be objective in what we talk about. Some people will say, OK, there's no neutrality, but we can be objective. We can't really be objective in the way only God can be objective. To really be able to view things accurately, I have to be able to know all things about it. So right now, um, I know about where I am and I trust that you are where you are because you say you are, but I'm not actually seeing it in person. I can't hundred percent verify that you're in Virginia right now, except that you said it and I'm going to believe that you are. Only God knows the beginning from the end. Only God knows whether or not something is ultimately going to glorify him or he's going to judge it because it's at war with him. And so it would seem to me that if you truly wanted to be educated in the world of God's universe, of God's creation, you would go by what he said, not by those who are at war with him. Right. Another thing that we say is or observe that history was being made like those people made history instead of recognizing this is the this is the plan of God unfolding God doing what he has promised with or without our cooperation. Right, right. Like the train whistle in the back, with or without our permission. Somehow or other, that train's coming through the station and we have to live with it. Okay, let's talk about some other aspects of the curriculum. Maybe I'll, <laughs> this is funny. Okay, literature. All right, geography, art, music. These are all manifestations of creation and we study them in order to be excellent in the things we do. And so if we're looking at geography, which is really interesting to me because history and geography, which customarily were separate subjects in state schools have been combined together under social studies. Mm -hmm. And that gives them the opportunity to infuse all sorts of worldviews into things. Whereas if you're studying history, you're studying what happened and you're studying it from a certain presupposition. Either you're studying it from it was random and nothing controlled anything else, or you're going to say it's linear 
God had a starting point and he has continued through it. The same right. thing having to do with geography. A mountain is a mountain, a canyon is a canyon um, because of God's initial creation and then things that transpired afterwards. So mm -hmm. I don't think you can get away from it. And I would say to anybody who is contemplating um, homeschooling and thinking it's maybe one choice among many good choices, about the only other good choice you've got is a solid Christian school that's gonna transmit this point of view. Anything else you're leaving your children open to not being able to know the truth and apply it. Right. Well, I have another um, another thing that I want to toss out here for just a, a second, if you will. We mm -hmm. have the tendency to think that um, that um, these things are separated and that certain um, more uh, spiritual subjects are in the church or or ministry is in the in the church. Whereas if we would really see um, the, the truth of God's creation and then, and master that subject, whether that is music or art or, or language arts or history or math, if we really master those subjects and in terms of God's, God's truth and advances kingdom in that area, then we really are being the people of God that he's called us to be in ways that, you know, getting our, our math education over our math uh, curriculum over here and our history curriculum over here and church here, you know, this disconnected world um, that we imagine is, is it, it's not, it's not real. So, so we have to put those things together. And when we do and we see God, and we can master these skills for his glory. That's how we want our children to be able to advance the kingdom of God in these areas, not just be good church workers. Exactly, because if they don't know the truth, how can they build? In other words, you need, like we kept saying it over and over, you need a good foundation in order to build a solid structure. Yeah. Well, I can see we're coming to the end of our time and apparently we're coming to the end of the charge on my computer for some reason. I thought I had it all charged up, but let me make a couple of recommendations. Dr. Rush Juni wrote a book called The Philosophy of the Christian Curriculum, where he goes through all the various subjects and talks about them. So I highly recommend that. And I think you had a recommendation as well. Yeah. Um, the Chalcedon Book of the Month Club um, this month is called The Messianic Character of the Amer of uh, American Schools or, or something like that. American Education, The Messianic American Character. Education. That is fascinating. My husband and I started reading it this week, and I highly recommend it for for those real real serious students of educational uh, philosophy. And um, it's not the easiest read, but it's worthwhile. And the title is very revelatory because he points out that American education is messianic. Well, the Messiah, the Christ, is Jesus. And when you had secularists who decided that what they had to do was get rid of God, get rid of the Bible, get rid of Jesus Christ, they set out to create a school system that was every bit messianic in their minds. But of course, it's a counterfeit Messiah. It's a counterfeit anointed one. And that's why um, Chalcedon has always been at the forefront of 
promoting and encouraging and assisting people with Christian education. Let's put those links up for folks to find them later, okay? I will, I will. All right, well, the train is telling you it's uh, time for us to go. And like I said, my battery is doing the same thing. So I'll talk to you next week. Next week. Thank you, Andrea. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.